Cheers, y'all. Welcome, my friends, to a special edition of the show we call Smoking and Toasting. Uh, we are all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. But today's show, a special edition pop-up, is going to be all about spirits because we are here on a Sunday afternoon uh, because the you know the um, the schedule had the good fortune uh, to put in our studio this afternoon our old friend Dan Crowell and Bill Lumsden, who's the director of distillation, whiskey creation, and whiskey stocks for in. Have you heard of this company, Glenmore and G? Are uh, you I'm, familiar? I, I'm pretty sure I've heard yeah. of them. They're yeah. the they're the bomb. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> so we're really excited, and Bill, you will uh, be pleased to know that we spare. No expense on sound effects here on the show. I this can is see that. this is yeah. a place where we've you know just we're going to give it all we got. So uh, this, is, this is very high tech. Yeah. I, I did wonder what that was. Uh, so was uh, so Bill, I want to get back to your uh, to your title in a few minutes. But first of all, welcome to the show. And Ian was pointing out uh, before we got started here a moment ago. That we've actually seen you on one of those, um, you know, uh, hookups on the web or by satellite or whatever. I think it was like a Google Hangout thing mm -hmm. when you guys were introducing uh, Spios, which we, by the which way, was delicious. <laughs> I was going to say we both became instant fans of. Uh, but it is uh, it is really a pleasure to have you here in the studio to talk about. You've got uh, since whiskey uh, creation is in your title. Yeah. That appears to be what you've been spending your time doing. Is that correct? Absolutely. I, I guess my job has two parts to it. It's the, the, the ongoing maintenance of the quality of the core range, mm -hmm. like the original and the Kintaruban and the 18, etc. Mm -hmm. But also it's to do a little bit of experimentation, try and develop new products. So things like Spios and Alta, it's great to finally see them in bottle because, you know, these are ideas that, hatched up about 10, 15 years or so ago. So it's nice to see them finally see the light of day. I just want you to know that every time I go to my bar and pull out the bottle of Spios, I try to say it the way that you say it, and it always, I, it always falls <laughs> Doesn't translate far short. Accent, <laughs> it always no. falls far short. I just love the way that, that you say I, that. I just, I just have to tell you, you still have Spios at your house? <laughs> well, <laughs> notice I actually didn't say anything about pouring any of it. I just talked about bringing the bottle out of the bar. Yes. I, I do sometimes and look at it wistfully is, is what I do. No, uh, But so just question before we go any further. Uh, the Quinta Raban and La Santa, no, La Santa were, is an absolute mainstay. You were involved. You were involved in the creation of those as well, correct? Yeah. I think basically any Glenmorangie or Art Beggs over the last twenty years have had my fingerprints on them. Nice is the way to look at nice. it. And how do you how do you go about getting this sort of a job? Um, Not I think, that I figure I can apply, but but how did it happen for you? I think that there, there's always a, a little bit of serendipity involved in things like that, like kind of being in the right place at the right time. Sure. But, you know, essentially you have to have a good nose and palate. And, you know, having a love of whiskey certainly helps mm -hmm. right. do it. And I've got a scientific background which helps me develop some of the more technical projects. Right. But first and foremost, you need to be a whiskey lover. That's, right. That's the most important thing because I would you, say. Because you really would have to... <laughs> to have an absolute passion for it to be able to 
to approach it the way that I think you have to approach it. I would say so. And, you know, ever since I was a little boy, I'm a little bit like a dog that I've always (laughs) gone around (laughs) sniffing things. So I've got a highly developed sense of smell and taste. Yeah. yeah. So Glenmorangie was founded, what, 1843? 1843. Okay. So obviously, by the time that you came along, this brand was well established, well, you know, loved around the world. That's a pretty big responsibility yeah. to many, step how into. How many expressions uh, did Glen Morangie have when you? Uh, w- when I first joined the company, they they essentially had three. They had the ten-year-old, uh-huh. which we call the original yeah. now, the eighteen-year-old, and there was this funky new expression called the Portwood finish. Wow. And the history is quite interesting to me because it originally was released not anything to do with a crazy new flavour, but it was actually to try and get more shelf facings for the mm-hmm. brand. Mm-hmm. And when I joined, there was a little bit of this fledgling experimentation going on. So I had carte blanche to develop the range as we know it today. Wow, that's so, interesting. Yeah. So you kind of saw it coming that there was going to be uh, sort of an expansion of the whole world of whiskey, yeah. if you will. You know, I mean, w- without a word of a lie, Cruz, um, I was working for DCL, Diageo, at the time, mm-hmm. and I was reading my GQ magazine, and I saw an article. <laughs> I put my porn mag down and started reading the GQ. <laughs> and I was reading an article about this crazy new Glenmorangie whiskey. And it inspired me so much. That and the fact that Glenmorangie was the first whiskey I ever tasted, it made me decide to apply for the job of Glenmorangie Distillery Manager. And that's how it all came about. So wow. It was this idea. I thought that this would be a fun company to join and maybe be allowed to experiment and try different things. And that's exactly how and it's turned exactly out. Exactly what. It, so, how many, if you don't mind me asking, how many things have you tried? that didn't become a released expression. Okay, um, my my strike rate is pretty high there and probably only about 5% don't quite see the light of day. Hmm. And you know, back in the day, the company did blended Scotch whiskey as well. We don't do that anymore. So I had a ready avenue for blending things away if they didn't quite work. Right, right. But you know, you, you kind of have a gut feel whether or not something's going to work. And, you know, if you're making a product like Alta, for example, where you're buying hundreds of barrels at a time, you know, it's a lot of money to tie up in something that's not going to work. Right. I I would say less than 5% to answer your question. Wow, that's 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 pretty impressive. (laughs) If we had less than than 5% of our shows... That kind of sucked, you know. <laughs> I would feel like we were wildly successful, you know. Is, is uh, that is that a technical term? Kind a, of sucked. Kind of sucked. <laughs> yes, that is. You'll find that that's, uh, you know, it, there's a specific range when you look at it that falls into the kind of sucked uh, uh, area. No, it, uh, the thing I was going to say, you could probably have a huge failure rate as long as the successes were large, but in your case, you're you. You're pointing out that by the time you get to the point of ordering the bottles, you sort of know what you have on your hands, is right? The the way I look at it is that every drop of the spirit is very precious, and I'm simply the current custodian of the quality, so I I don't want to do things that are not going to taste good. Now, you're obviously involved with uh, Glenmorangie and Ardbeg, and uh, I know we're here to talk about the Alta, uh, but do you have... Um, do you have a favorite between the peatier, you know, the more like intense sort of Ardbeg vibe 
and then the more sort of pure single malt vibe of of Glen uh, Morangy. I, I have to say, my style of whiskey primarily is more leaning towards the sort of delicate, elegant style that Glen Morangy is. But I always find with whiskey, it, it's kind of a mood thing, and it's maybe a little bit like craft beer that you don't always want to have a double imperial stout. But right. sometimes, if you're in the mood for it, it hits right, home. Right. Sometimes, but, it's, sometimes yeah. it's great. Other yeah. times, you yeah, really just kind of want an amber ale or maybe a uh, you know something that's that's got a little bit different flavor profile. And it's fun having Ardbeg in the portfolio because it's so completely different from Glenmorangie. Oh yeah. they're, they're like opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum, right? right. And and it's uh, I would imagine uh, sort of a completely different source of pride to be able to do that style and do it as well as Ardbeg has done um, has got to be I don't know. It's kind of like. It's kind of like if you had a uh, a rugby team and a soccer team, and they were both really good, right? <laughs> so I was trying to I was trying to reach across the pond there with that sports <laughs> reference. Did that work? <laughs> uh, so so you uh, you were here in uh, the U.S. Uh, obviously here to talk about uh, this new expression to talk about, and I just want to make sure I'm showing this to the camera appropriately here. Uh, this is the Alta. What, first of all, what does the word mean? Yeah, Al- and, Alta, a uh, Scottish Gaelic word for wild. Wild. So we always go, <laughs> we're, we're required to do that. Actually. That actually is going to work so much better for him, Dan, than it is for I you. Know, yeah. You know, there's something about <laughs> the accent. It's going to work yeah. uh, much better for him. So Alta means wild, which obviously that has some kind of relation to the style of the spirit. Tell yeah, us about that. Absolutely. So it's an experiment using a, a, a wild yeast strain. Okay. So a strain of yeast we found in the natural environment close to the Glenmorangie distillery. And you know the, the this almost sounds like a plot for a sci-fi movie. I'm just <laughs> you know what I mean. Like every Scooby-Doo episode. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I would have been it would have been great whiskey too if it weren't for those darn kids. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I'm sorry. Uh, we no, no, it, it's, you. I like your way of thinking there because all of these products have got a little bit of a plot, a little bit of a story to them, and the story of this one goes back to the late great Michael Jackson. Not the pop star Michael Jackson, but the whiskey whiskey and beer writer. I I knew Michael very well. Uh, He visited me many times in my day as Glenmorangie distillery manager. He did not have a monkey. Which I think um, is important to not, point out. Not when I met him, he didn't. Okay. Right? <laughs> Good, that's important to but, point out. But yeah, Michael, in his very first World Guide to Whiskey, mm-hmm. had this little passage in it, and he had featured most of the well-known whiskies globally in it. And there was a little section in Glenmorangie, and he talked about that distillery having its own unique yeast strain. And I just happened to have done my PhD in yeast physiology, so I was obsessed by yeast anyway. And no matter how hard I tried, I could find no evidence of this at all in the company. Really? And I even worked with the company archivist, a a gentleman called Ian Russell, and we could find nothing about it. So I decided there and then that we were absolutely going to have our own unique yeast strain. (laughs) And that's where it all came about. So the genesis of this idea goes back more than 20 years. And this is all about the lost 
wild yeast strand Ab- that you actually never found. Absolutely. That's it. So when you then set out to do it on your own, how does that work? Well, there's various ways I could have gone about it. You know, I could simply have left the fermenters open, you know, in the style of a Belgian lambic mm-hmm. fermentation. But I pretty much thought that I would have ended up with all sorts of horrors in the washback and it wouldn't <laughs> just be yeast in there. Right. Now, I have to say I did try it. And um, let's just say that 5% ratio Talking comes into play. Yes. So, <laughs> so I thought, right, OK, where else can I find yeast? And the answer is almost everywhere. You know, yeast's all over our own bodies. If we swabbed this desk, there would be yeast on it. Mm -hmm. But I'm an ex-maltster and barley buyer by training. So I knew fine that barley growing in the field, the ears of the barley are covered in microorganisms. Right. So I took some ears of our own cadball barley, which grows in the field right beside the distillery. I sent it down to my partner, Lalamand, the, the, the yeast supplier, and they swabbed the ears of the barley and we isolated, we, we found quite a few strains of yeast there, but we isolated one in particular, which we felt would have fermentative capacity. And they grew that up into industrial quantity so for you, me. So you find the yeast and then you culture it. That's it. Right, yeah. right. And this goes back to what you studied, really, doesn't it? Because this this gets back to the actual pure science of the whole thing. Which is the thing that I found so exciting as a geek, as a scientist myself. (laughs) And I had enough for one week's worth of production. And the most beautiful part of this project, and this is entirely coincidence, that by the time our partners Lalamand had grown up enough of the beastie, which we called Saccharomyces diamath. I was just diamath. about to ask what the name of it is. Say yeah. it one more time. Saccharomyces diamath. So standard yeast is Saccharomyces cerevisiae for brewing or distilling. But diamath, a Scottish Gaelic word meaning God is good. Because wow. that's what the ancient Egyptians used to call this phenomenon of alcohol production. They didn't know what was doing it, but they knew that God was good. So, so they thought the, God was just yeah. kind of taking care of it, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's where it came from. But when the yeast was ready, the very same barley growing in the field had been harvested, had been dried, had been malted and was in at the distillery. So the barley, the, the, the malting barley was fermented with the original wild yeast that was growing on it which was the beautiful squaring of the circle, if you like. So when, nice. you, when you went about, you know, cultivating this, this strain of wild yeast, did you do that with the idea of let's try this and see what kind of flavor that it creates? Or was it more like I'm going for the, a particular kind of flavor and I think this yeast will lead me there? No, it, it was much more the former, cruise because in reality – you know, I, I had a fairly good idea that if it was a Saccharomyces strain, it would produce alcohol. Right. But apart from that, I really had no idea and was completely open-minded as to what I might end up with. And I think you have to approach experiments like that. You can't prejudge the results. Right. And and once you get to the results, is it something where you can say, and I'm not suggesting that you did this, but is it something where you could have said, okay, I like this, but I'd like it to be just a touch more this way and go back and tweak the yeast process? Or is it something where you're going to kind of get what you're going to get? I think there's a certain amount of 
tweaking would have been possible. But mm-hmm. you know, you're talking very long time scales right. of for this. And you know, I, I, I realised that, you know, in my opinion, to make good single malt scotch, you're looking at a minimum of seven to eight years of maturation right. before it's ready. So it's not like I can make a little tweak here and then have a product and then test so, it so, and know what you so, got. To yeah. certain extent, so, I had what I had. When did you find the yeast? How long ago was that? What's the time scale from the time uh, you the, found that yeast? The, the, the time scale it was about 11 years ago, Ian, when we first found it. And, you know, I have to say it took me a couple of years of dabbling around with laboratory-style fermentations, <laughs> a little bit of trier work before we were ready to take it to the, the, the full scale. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. So 11 years to come up with yeah. and, Alta. And the part, I think, of your job that, that fascinates me the most, uh, beyond what it would take to understand how this culture of yeast was going to develop and how this is going to work. The part that fascinates me the most is that at a certain point, you've got to taste this and say, okay, I think that, I'll pick a number, seven years from now, Mm -hmm. this is going to be what we want. And then you put it in the cast and it starts aging. To me, that, that talent right there, that skill of being able to say, in this form, what I'm tasting is going to lead us to something we want seven years from now, 12 years from now. You're touching on a question that I have. So when you take a project like this and you start to age it, do you have an idea how long it's going to take, or are you actually trying it year by year and seeing what it's doing? Are you doing a little of both? There's a little bit of both there, Ian. And I have to say, when I originally set out, most of the real detailed analysis I did was on the new make spirit. Uh-huh. So comparing classic Glenmorangie new make to the new make made with the Saccharomyces diamath. And there was very distinctive differences in character there. And we did a lot of analysis by GC of the key volatile flavor congeners, you know, the alcohols, the aldehydes, the ketones, the fatty acid esters, all these things that give fruitiness and floral notes to the whiskey. Mm -hmm. So the difference was quite marked. And I thought, okay, I don't want to age this for too long because, you know, if I leave it in for 18 years, the chances are the influence of the wood would mask would the differences. Yeah. So to a certain extent, I had a feel, but n- nothing more than that. And I was probably originally going to let it go for the full 10 years, but it's just a little bit shy of that, about a year or so. And the reason for that is, I have to say, that I was getting bored reading in the press. <laughs> but not, not, not just about that, but I was getting bored reading in the press of all the new so-called craft distillers in Scotland who were going mm-hmm. to do something so radically different and they were going to have wild yeast. And I thought, oh, yeah, boring. <laughs> Did that 10 years ago. So, Except so, nobody knew yeah, because yeah, they'd not yeah. been able to so, taste so it. So that, yeah. as much as anything, made me think, Right, okay, we better get uh, get on with this and bottle it. Wow. Well, and the patience you have to have from the start of a project to the end of a project, because you can't, well, I mean, technically I guess you can make whiskey in a short amount of time, but it, you have to age it and you have to do yeah. all those things to make it that product. But so see, you, to me, that's part of what makes this whole mm-hmm. thing so special. Yeah. Because when you sit down, I mean, to me, Whiskey is never about the way that it's consumed in the movies. It's never about walking up to the bar, they pour it for you, you slam it back, or you guzzle for the bottle. I mean, it's not about that at all. It's about finding the moment, you know, when you're able to sit down and really appreciate and enjoy and let time just kind of slow down. It's something that's worth 
waiting for. It's about patience, if you will. And so that's why I think it's so perfect that this is the way that it, that a really great spirit like this is created because that's how it's meant to be. You know what I mean? Uh, not to not to be too, you know, uh, too pie in the sky about it, but it it seems like that's the way it should be because that's the kind of spirit this is. I mean, the, 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 these sort of experiments, I've always got loads of them on the go at any one time. So I've got a pool of products and we're never 100% sure if Spios is going to be launched or Bacalta or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you get about a year out do you think right okay next year's one's going to be this so there's plenty more things bubbling away underneath the surface so when you tasted it and said okay we could do it like was it was it what you had envisioned was it what you had had it, hoped for it, it was yes and no cruise because the other thing i would say here is that i used american oak ex bourbon barrels as i do for original Mm-hmm. But I actually used refill barrels because I didn't want too much influence of the wood coming so this would through. Be the second fill. Yeah, right. so, so, so original is like sixty percent first fill, forty percent second, and Alta is all third fill to try right. and maximise the difference. Because I, I I thought I remember that you guys in your general production will only use the barrels twice. Correct. Is that right. Correct. Yeah. Uh, um, and so. In this case, you're trying to not get too much from the exactly, barrel, as opposed to yeah. some cases where you may be wanting more yeah. from the barrel. And you, if you imagine a triangle, and you've got the base of the triangle, that's the new make spirit. The difference is huge. And then as the years go on, it comes narrower and narrower, and you lose a little bit of the difference. Mm-hmm. So if I'd left this in for 20 years, for example, you probably wouldn't have picked up as much of the nuances of yeah. flavor coming directly right. from the yeast. It would have been more similar yeah. to the yeah. other product that had been aged yeah. for that. Of course, if I'd put time. it into a sherry cask, for example, I would just have lost everything. You would have yeah. basically had something that yeah. came out like something that had been something else that had been now, aged in sherry. Now these start from the same distillate. Yeah, completely. Uh, uh, so, which the, the only difference is the yeast. Yeah. yeah so the yeast, Every, everything is the else, is and the then same. and then you use yeah. that third fill barrel. Yeah. So you didn't. Well, the Glen Morangy is is a the, the original is a very delicate flavor. Yeah. Well, anyway, is, so yes, it is. In fact, it is the perfect. You know, when people express curiosity about um, single malt scotch, it is the perfect one to say. Here's where you should start, mm-hmm. right? Not not that it's necessarily a starter whiskey, because it's one that you are going to want to keep in your bar like pretty much from now on. See, and that one flies off my shelf pretty fast, yeah. but I'll almost always have a bottle of La Santa because yeah. that's just that's yeah. one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorite expressions mm-hmm. from you guys. I mean, I mean it, at the price point and the flavor profile, everything about it. I mean, and that's one that when people ask me, "Hey, what should I try?" I don't really know much about scotch. I'm like. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it's a great introductory whiskey, but a lot of people, and myself included, have gone full circle in that, you know, I can drink anything in the range I sure. want. I can right. fill my bath up with Signet and dive in if I really want. <laughs> oh, but, wait, origi- wait. Hold on. I'm just savouring <laughs> that moment because <laughs> that, that would be a thing. Let me tell you. That would be. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. So it's not necessarily a vision you want to think about too much. But I I drink more of the original because I just love its clean, elegant, easy drinking taste. And again, you know, I drink it neat. I have Mm -hmm. it in a highball with soda. I sometimes add ginger Mm -hmm. ale. You can do all sorts of bits. Very versatile. I want to point this out to the audience. This This is the man that creates this. 
It's not polluting the whiskey. It's drinking it the way you want it. That's right. Exactly. Oh, that's a really good. Really There's good point so many people that, that so just often. they just think, yeah. oh well, if you take something like this and you put water, or you put ice in it, you're just completely. Re- yeah. No, no, drink yeah. it how you want it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, water opens it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just I've just added water there. That's the way I like doing it. Like this, we call it releasing the serpent because mm-hmm. it opens up the bouquet a little bit. I love it. I love you know, it. Dan and I last night to 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 kick off with. Uh, we we had a, an old fashioned with original at the restaurant, and it was very mm-hmm. good. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really well made. It, all right, so you have uh, poured for us uh, both a bit of the original and a bit of the Alta. Uh, I'm supposing the best way to get a feel for the Alta is this sort of side by side, right? Exactly. That that's mm-hmm. it. this these whiskies, the private edition range. I like to think people are all going to compare them to the original. So they can see exactly what the difference is, whether it's a different barrel type or different barley variety like mm-hmm. in Toussale or, or different yeast here in, in Alta. So I'm just going to do the same. I'm going to add a couple of splashes of water to my Alta. Okay. And I can kind of hand that around a little bit. Thank you. And you know, with with the original, you get that very, very classic Glenmorangie note. It's very, very clean. It's very fresh. It's got a kind of meadow freshness about it. Lovely that floral notes. Fruitiness right, right yeah. there. And sort of, fruitiness and, and just that touch of minerality. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah. right. That flinty minerality. And then when you go to the Alta, it's altogether more earthy, slightly more spicy. There's a... There's a uh, uh, um, Darker sweetness. Yeah. To oh it wow, too. definitely yeah. so. It, it, that's so interesting. Like almost a caramel kind yeah, of, yeah, kind of and toffee. See, toffee, kind of a, yeah, yeah, toffee. Yeah. That's, that's had you better. not explained the process, I would have immediately be trying to attribute that to what it was aged yeah. in. Yeah, but no, yeah. no. This I think this is genuinely the the difference from the yeast, and I, I don't know if this is auto suggestion or what. But if I'm having a pizza, I like to make pizza myself. I make my own passata, boil the tomatoes down, uh, make my own dough. And with the live yeast culture you add to that, I'm sure I can get a hint of that from from the bouquet of Alta. Mm. And again, if you try a sip, gents, of the, the original. Mm-hmm. And then go directly to yeah. a sip of the Alta? It's just so soft, so sweet, so smooth. You know, that lovely creamy, peachy mm-hmm. and vanilla type flavour. And then with the Alta, which is at slightly it's, higher proof. It's amazing. Yeah. I just uh, to, again to our audience, the the Glenmorangie uh, ten has almost no heat to it yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Amazingly how smooth, smooth it isn't it? Is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really and, is. And that's attributable to the quality of the American oak barrels yeah. we use, I mean, and it's absolutely what I'm looking for in it. That lovely softness in the palate. Now you do get a little more heat with the Alta, mm-hmm. as you were suggesting. It, it's a higher proof, correct? Right. That one's bottled at 51.2 versus 43 ABV. Mm -hmm. And again, the the reason I did that was simply because this is the 10th anniversary release of the private edition series. So I wanted to give consumers a bit more oomph for their money. This Uh, this feels like it has a little bit oilier mouthfeel to it as well. It kind of spreads across the palate and has this really nice warmth. More viscosity to it. I want (laughs) to describe that flavor that you get, not right at the beginning but that flavor in the middle i want to describe it as almost like a caramel but then it changes mm-hmm. and and then i don't have to, i'm like oh no it's not really caramel so it really yep. is one of those that makes you 
stop and say, I'm going to have to have another yeah. sip and mm-hmm. figure this out. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes me think of like a, a brand of popcorn we have and you call butter kists mm-hmm. or toffee popcorn. That's what this yes. reminds me a little bit of. Yes, absolutely. I, Just, I, I kind of pick up like a little apricot uh-huh. in there as well. It's really, really interesting how intense and mm-hmm. complex this is. And it, it, it makes me think of sort of like mandarin orange syrup, that mm-hmm. type of thing mm-hmm. going on. Wow. So it's not it's not radically different from the original. And you, no, we, it, we wouldn't it, expect that, but it is, right. it's different enough to make it to justify bottling it. So I say it's something I've always wanted to do to to live up to the 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 story of the great man Michael Jackson. And we we actually um, spoke to Michael's widow and his daughter to ask their permission to mention his name, and they were highly delighted. It's oh, they were? That's hom- so cool. It's a kind of homage to Michael. Well, well I can tell you, this is, this is really unique. I, I'm not sure I've ever tasted any other expression um, that quite has this vibe to it. It's, it's, right. it's very unique. There are, there are so many things, after you have been fortunate enough to do what we do and be able to taste a lot of different things, there are so many things that you go, well, that's very similar to this. I, I may like it a little bit better, or I may like the other a little bit better, uh, but it's very similar to this or that, or that you kind of find those, you know, eight, nine different sort of tastes that seem to sort of predominate a particular category. Uh, but this would definitely be number 11. Now, when we started, <laughs> when we started this show, uh, Cruz hadn't, Experienced as many scotches. That's true. Uh, and I was so I started introducing much more him. And I have, I have, a, I have a modest collection, but I started introducing him to some of my favorites. And um, and once I got him through pretty much all the the, the fruitier, more delicate ones, then I brought in the Arbig. <laughs> Good plan. And I will say, it took me a while. Yeah. They took yeah. me a while. Here, uh, check this uh, out. But I, I came around. I came around. And you know. It, it, Speaking of Ardbeg there, if I tried this experiment at Ardbeg using its classic very heavily peated malt, you know, you, you wouldn't have you picked would up really, the difference yeah, you, you at all. Been, this would have yeah. been too subtle for yeah. that. Yeah. You, you, right. you, have, you have to do some slightly more radical things at <laughs> well, Ardbeg. Yeah, it's so robust the, yeah. in the first place, right. <laughs> it, it, it truly is. But this is – so I'm guessing that once you – once you finally get to bottle this and take it out, this has to become your new favorite expression for at least the next year or so, right? I, I, I think it is because it's one of the, the funkiest experiments I've worked mm-hmm. on, and it's something very close to my heart. And we're not going to use the Saccharomyces diamath for all of our everyday production, sure. not least because the, the yield of alcohol is much lower. But for one week every year now, <clears throat> since we started this, we, I have been producing a batch of whiskey from the, the Saccharomyces diamath. Because of what's involved in you know developing this yeast strain and and, and then you know doing this kind of production, does this become a more expensive whiskey to produce? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. All all these private edition things. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, I would go as far as to say I doubt some of them even made money for the company because they were so expensive. But that's not the point. But the point it's, is to sh- to continue yeah. to show yeah. what can be done yeah. and and to sort of uh, continue to make people kind of look yeah. at your name and go, yeah, those guys, yeah. you know, yeah. right? Right, uh, exactly. Uh, and it's an interesting approach. I'm not sure that American businesses always look at that the same way. And and I'm you can't certainly speak for everyone, but I think there's. I, 
it I takes a business with a long history to yeah. be able to do that. Right, right. Yeah. And I to be able right. to stick by that. I want to point yeah. out, I actually put a few more drops in this uh, altered, a few more drops of water, and now it's like the, the aroma has changed to, yeah. to butter and, and a bunch mm. of different uh, things that I'm picking up. It's pretty amazing how it evolves. Yeah. Just that's, a, that's a very good description. Butter. And that's butter, One yeah. of the things I love. Like in a sing- great way, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, but, the original mm-hmm. is one of the it's got more of a buttery characteristic yeah. to it than I think any single malt that I can think of off the top of my head, at least. It's just a very smooth and, and that butteriness being sort of the first thing that hits the top. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, because we talked about the viscosity of this. So I've added water twice now and um you'd think it would thin that out a little bit but it really doesn't however it does spread across yeah. the the palate much faster and of course the alta is non-chill filtered so there always should be a little bit more viscosity in right. there as a result of that well well bill did you see the explosion in whiskey and distilled spirits coming that we have you know witnessed over the past five to ten years I, I have to be honest and say no I did not envisage that at all and the fact that you know American whiskey Japanese whiskey all these other types are becoming very popular mm-hmm. is a great thing for the mm-hmm. whole category I but, you know if, you, if yeah. you'd asked me 30 years ago when I started out on my career if I envisaged this I would have said absolutely not so it's a very exciting time it really and in the position that you're in, though, you've also got to anticipate this to some degree because you've got to keep up with demand for all of your yeah. expressions, right? Yeah. And it's quite a sobering thought that, you know, I, I'm a very youthful 58 years old, <laughs> so I'm not planning on retiring anytime soon. But a lot of the things I'm starting off today, I sit, I sit back and think, you know, I'll be gone before they see the light of day. But, yeah. but you know, it's, it's kind of, I want to leave a legacy for, you know, the next generation. And, you know, a gentleman in my team, Brendan, who Dan and Rennie know, he will eventually succeed me mm-hmm. when I finally... I've, I've told him not to be impatient because I'm not going anywhere soon. But, you know, <laughs> I want to leave down some nice nuggets for him to bring out Seems as well. like a job worth waiting for. <laughs> With all of your expressions, how many bottles does Glenmorangie produce in a year? Okay, uh, the the brand itself uh, sells round about 650,000 nine-litre cases. Mm-hmm. So that's, say, 650,000 times 12, whatever that is. Okay. Yeah. I'm a ho- lot. hopeless at maths. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah that's, that's and, a but, lot. but, you know, of, of that total, the private edition range is less than 1%. Isn't so it's a very small part wow. of it. Isn't and they become quite collectible. Right, right. And is there a chance that the private edition stuff becomes more limited? In other words, is Alta going to be around for a good while or is this something oh, no, like no, grab I, it while you can I, absolutely not this is a one-off a one-off uh, okay. and by the very nature of these experiments they'll never be done uh, again and we are selling it to our consumers on mm-hmm. the basis that this is a one-off so it would be dishonest for me to do it again right so right. I, i'm not just saying this to try and sell it you grab a bottle while you can because it will not appear again so when something like a la santa or a quinto raban comes along mm-hmm. What makes you decide that that one's going to be a more permanent addition to the line? Um, There's no hard and fast answer to that, Cruz. It just really depends on... I mean, we trial it 
and see how successful it is and then if people like it and we have the capability of producing it in larger volumes and by that I mean if you've got access to a steady supply of quality right. sherry casks mm-hmm. then there's a chance it can become part of the core range. And I've got a figure by the way that finding quality casks of all kinds has got to be something that's getting harder and harder particularly for the Scottish distilleries, even yeah. though there's more American bourbon being made yeah. all the time, and obviously that's the most popular, I guess, yeah. of the of the cask. Uh, it's got to be getting harder and harder to yeah. find the ones that you want and get them there. Yeah, it, it's it's very important to set up a a, sta- a good relationship with your supplier. Mm-hmm. And you know, most of my wood suppliers, whether it's for, for American oak ex bourbon barrels or sherry casks or port casks, I've had these relationships for. 25 years or so. But yeah, it's something you have to take into consideration. Wow. So any idea? I realize you're just getting this out there, but any idea what might be next? Yeah, the next I, Private I, Express? I, I can say, this, this is Private Edition 10, mm-hmm. so I can say with some certainty that the next one will be Private Edition 11. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have guessed that. You know, no. it's on, it's you on this show. heard it here first, folks. Yeah. It's on this show that you hear those real breakthrough things that you're not going to hear everywhere else. So, uh, you hear, now, just, this, Chris this... Hart, I'm talking to you. He ain't talking about 11 when it comes on your show. I'm just saying. <laughs> Is this is this a once a year uh, at a regular? Yeah, the the, the, the idea is at the start of each year we'll release something like this. So uh, probably next February March time. You know, I, I, I'm I'm fooling around with here. I I do know what private oh, edition eleven is going felt to sure be. That you did. Yes. I, I'm I'm going more back into wood expertise for that one. Oh, interesting. Rather than okay. but, well, apart that, from that, that but I un- <laughs> I understand and uh, and but that's but that's interesting and that's got to be. I would guess the fun part of your job, right? It's, yeah, the, the 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 whole thing I do is absolutely marvelous, and I don't I don't even look upon it as a job. Yeah, you know, it's more it's a passion. I'm just so fortunate to be able to work in something I love like this. Well, you are doing an amazing job. The Alta is terrific, and I'm just uh, I'm excited to be able to spend a little more time with this. Try it with just a little more water. I mean, just that's one of the most beautiful things about these kind of expressions is that they can change mm-hmm. so much from your first sip to you know adding water or maybe trying it over a cube of ice. Yeah. You know, seeing seeing what that would do to it. So, um, very very impressive, and uh, I'm so glad you get to. Uh, come and spend a little time with us here in the States to uh, to tell us all well, about gents, it. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come. It's been a, a, a fun little tasting afternoon. Well, you are absolutely always welcome on the show. And Dan, thanks for uh, thanks so much for setting this up. Oh, not and a problem. We got to, you know, we got to talk about what's next because we have some uh, we have some big big and exciting things uh, coming in the future that we want you to be a part of. So, Fantastic! Um, wow, I am so uh, thrilled, uh, Bill, that you were, were able to come and share this with us. And it's always Wonderful to have someone with a, uh, you know, with a very elegant Scottish accent on the show because it, uh, uh, you know, it just it just feels like it takes us up in the class area. You know what I mean? Makes the show more classy and you know, y'all takes aren't it, from around here, are you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so that combined with our, uh, you know, ultra high end sound effects, I mean, this was a really, uh, right. really important show. So, uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, special edition of uh, Smoking and Toast. And this one will be posted right in between the normal shows. It just won't be one of the numbered shows. 
shows, and we'll be back with uh, number 126 on Thursday. When, by the way, Peter Clifton uh, from The Ready Room and from uh, Ritual will join us to do Valentine's Day cocktails That's on nice. the Valentine's on Day Valentine's show. Day. Yeah, so we'll be, we're really excited about that. In the meantime, let me show you the Alta again because you're – Going to want to find this quickly when it hits your shelves because I'm getting the impression we don't expect this to be around for too long. No, right? it won't. It'll sell out. All right. So there you go. Glenn Morangy, what a wonderful brand. And uh, we just appreciate you guys being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's Smoking and Toasting. And guys, I'm going to toast with the Alta, if you would. Yes. Cheers. Thank you, to you. Cheers. Delightful. Mm. Mm.